0: Welcome to the Authentically Successful Show. I'm Carol Schultz, founder and CEO of Vertical Elevation, a talent equity and leadership coaching and advisory firm. We partner with founders and CEOs to create talent-centric organizations, either where they don't currently exist or rebuild companies into talent-centric organizations. We are committed to supporting your vision and values by creating healthy, successful companies, leveraging the best talent, retention, Development and succession strategies. Listen at the end of the show for information about becoming my next guest on one of the most important podcasts for building thriving companies. Here we go. Welcome to the Authentically Successful Show. I'm Carol Schultz. My guest today is Kevin Stein, co founder and CEO of Delos Insurance. Delos is an insure tech startup focused on providing insurance for low risk homes in wildfire areas. Kevin, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: My pleasure. So I've just given you know a very, very, very high level uh, about what Delos is and what you're doing, but give me a, a better a better picture of the wildfire market. What had yeah. you get into it, and, and what what you're doing in, currently?
1: Yeah. So it's we're kind of at a really interesting moment in time right now. I think with uh, a lot of the recent fire activities starting in 2017, insurance companies were fairly surprised. Um, They're a lot more destructive than most insurance companies had expected. Uh, And uh, for many of those fires, they were in different locations and a lot of homes burned down that they they weren't expecting to burn. Mm. Um, And that created a real problem within the insurance industry, uh, not necessarily only about the fact that they had such high losses, which of course that's a problem. But I think the biggest issue was unknown exposure. Uh, the models that they were using at the time to rate the wildfire risk of homes, was they were mostly shown to be um, inaccurate. And so reinsurers and insurance companies, looking at what the portfolio exposure that they had on the books, realized that they could potentially have a significantly higher exposure than they had expected. Um, And the resulting reaction from the insurance industry was basically just to pull out, uh, to decide not to insure homes in wildfire risk regions, especially in California and really across the Western U.S., And that created an extremely difficult situation for consumers, of course, right? Uh, Wildfires covered under home insurance. And obviously, home insurance was required by a mortgage. So Mm -hmm. when insurance companies pulled out and non-renewed hundreds of thousands of homes across the the Western U.S., Mm -hmm. uh, insureds were put in a situation where they had to find a policy or they default on their loan, on their mortgage. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's been a very difficult moment in uh, this market. Uh, it's something that our team at Delos, uh, myself, my co-founder, uh, we believe that a new approach is really required uh, to be able to truly understand wildfire and to safely ensure homes and you know properties of all kinds um, across the entire Western U.S. Given our our new wildfire exposure uh, that we're experiencing.
0: Mm-hmm. So so you are. Uh, VC funded? Is that correct?
1: Uh, yes. So we are a uh, what appears to be a little bit more of a traditional VC style startup. Uh, that being said, we are structuring ourselves in a uh, fairly standard uh, insurance way. We are we are an MGA, um, a, a surplus line MGA. We are currently selling home insurance in California. Uh, we're in a soft launch period at the moment. Um, we have three different uh, capacity providers behind us. Um, you know, a a front that's taking some risk in two different reinsurers, including a Lloyd syndicate. Uh, And with that, we have the ability to, to, you know, push our home insurance product to market. Um, But as we grow, uh, we will be adding, you know, VC funding, of course, uh, extra VC funding, uh, as well as other capacity partners to truly fill out um, the, the capital needs on the insurance and, uh, operational side to be able to really serve our mission, which is ensure all safe homes within wildfire regions, uh, within catastrophe regions in general.
0: Right. So, so for those, for those listening to this, who do not know anything about insurance or insure tech, um, yeah. can you tell, tell the audience what an MGA is and how you function? Uh,
1: yes. Um, yeah, uh, so uh, MGA stands for Managing General Agent. Um, it's a business entity that's existed in uh, the insurance ecosystem for centuries as basically all business uh, structures have existed. Um, and you know, a long time ago, they're generally used to understand and underwrite specialty risks. Things that the large carriers uh, didn't have much experience with mm-hmm. and therefore uh, you would have specialists come in and uh, be able to underwrite those types of risks but the specialists would be small and capital strapped, so they wouldn't have the ability to pay out claims. See, so the idea is the managing general do, agent does everything insurance company would, uh, find the client, price it, have the um, policy forms, coverages, uh, manage that portfolio. And the backing capacity is basically turned into a holding company, uh, money in, money out. The backing company uh, pays all the claims, um and makes most of the money off of these policies. Got it. Great. Thank you.
0: Um, and you're currently selling only in California,
1: right? That's correct. Yeah. So we got set up and soft launched uh, at the very end of 2020. Um, so we're a new entrant. Um, that being said, we have been modeling wildfire for a number of years now. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the partners that we have on our team have been doing it for their entire career. Um so- yeah, yeah and, and that's kind of when I say that we have a new approach. Um, specifically, our approach is that we have catastrophe modeling experts, uh, professors, academic scientists, and uh, climate scientists uh, embedded in our team. And then we take their expertise and we incorporate that understanding of wildfire and how. Uh, the climate is changing and therefore will affect wildfire in the future. Uh, We incorporate that into every aspect of the company, vertically integrated. So underwriting, pricing, portfolio management. Um, And that gives us a very deep expertise to be able to make sure that we're underwriting safe homes, but also uh, creating safe portfolios at a large scale. And then on top of that, that allows us to adapt and react very quickly. Um, what's happening these days in wildfire and in hurricane, many catastrophes, is that not only are the catastrophes more destructive, but they're changing. Uh, we saw in California in 2017, in 2018, we saw the introduction of the big wind driven urban conflagrations. In 2020, we saw the introduction of the dry lightning ignition events, which had happened previously in Colorado, but hadn't happened here in the Bay Area. And that change, uh, that constant and continual change, means that uh, as a structure, you need a group that can update their understanding of risk as soon as a new type of fire paradigm is created. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's why we believe that our vertical integration of science in an insurance provider Mm -hmm. is the only way that we'll be able to react to uh, new changes in catastrophe fast enough in order to continually ensure a profitable portfolio.
0: Right. And and I wanna I do want to bring up one other thing for, for those uh outside the insurance sector that are going, what does that mean? What's a model? What is a cat model? That really and, and I you know, at least how I describe it in the simplest terms, is it's it's the, a model is something that the carrier can look at and know how to insure
1: someone. Right. Yeah, it's basically a risk score. Right. And so, so- our model. Right.
0: So, no, no, what I, w- what I would like you to explain is how, do, how are these models built?
1: Yeah, so our model uh, is a little bit different than most models. So okay. most models, uh, you have some, you know, talented, smart um, uh, catastrophe experts look at a variety of um, different indices. So, mm-hmm. for example, amount of vegetation, um, the type of vegetation right. uh, slope, which does affect uh, spread mm-hmm. of fire. Uh, road access how easy it is for a fire truck to go and protect something um they look at that and they compare it to fire history uh it takes sort of an average of losses over a long period of time and say uh okay over the last 60 years um you know these uh different variables amount of vegetation type of vegetation they combine to predict fire with this equation come up with an equation you know um uh, weight on each score and combine it to one score overall. So you get a 0 to 10, for example, uh, risk score for each home. Our model is a little different. So I mentioned that we have um, fire scientists and uh, climate scientists in our our team. So we are actually partnered with an academic think tank that has been modeling fire and climate for many decades. Uh, They're actually the group that co-created Cal Fire's wildfire risk model and the Public Utilities Commission's wildfire risk model. So uh, they brought their expertise, and with uh, the two co-founders, myself and Shanna McIntyre, who is is our chief data officer, Mm -hmm. uh, we've co-invented, co-developed the Delos Insurance Wildfire Risk Model. This model is actually an AI-based model, but it's a geospatial AI model. It's one of the first times that AI has been used uh, on geospatial data. Mm -hmm. So it combines information in a three-dimensional format, basically taking a variety of maps of California, uh, maps uh, specific to each thing, say wind and weather or vegetation or whatever it is, mm-hmm. um, and uses AI training on fire history and these different data points uh, and combines it into a overall risk score map. So we have a map of California and you can uh, query each point, each address, and it'll give you a uh, zero to hundred hundred um, point scale score uh for okay. each home that's right
0: mm-hmm.
1: okay cool
0: um so how does somebody with a bachelor's in mechanical engineering and a master's in aerospace engineering get into this
1: field uh, it's a, it's a great question so uh it's actually funny um my co-founder and i uh we're we're both from the aerospace industry mm-hmm. uh when we started the company when we started in insurance We wanted to learn insurance by by actually doing, actually selling. So we immediately uh, started a retail brokerage, and so we've had a retail brokerage in the Sierra Nevadas for four years, selling home insurance in wildfire areas. Uh, But if you told me in grad school when I was doing my master's aerospace engineering, if you told me that. You know, many years later, uh, I would be a licensed insurance agent in the Sierra Nevadas. I would say, "Oh no, what happened to my life?" <laughs> <Right>.
0: <laughs> because insurance is so sexy.
1: <laughs> it's just—it's such a weird left turn. Right. Um, it's so so. Uh, the the reason why Shanna and I got into this uh, was actually a, a little bit different than what we ended up creating. Um, we originally started it because we wanted to model. Catastrophe. Mm-hmm. Um, so my my experience is satellite satellite imagery. Uh, her background is physics and predictive modeling. Um, mm-hmm. We originally wanted to take my knowledge of satellite imagery and her knowledge of predictive modeling to model catastrophe um, in higher spatial resolution, drilling down to the address, but also get an understanding of how changing conditions really impacts a change in catastrophe exposure, uh, be it for wildfire or hurricane. Um, and the reason why we wanted to focus on this uh, was very specifically because we thought we could use our large-scale analytics to directly help people that are in catastrophe zones. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm, I grew up in California, so did Shanna. Uh, there's a lot of people out here that, that you know, all of us, we see the smoke in the air every single year. We read the stories about paradise and, and all these other fires that are, that are horrifying. Um, there's a lot of folks out here that are, that now live in a fire zone that didn't previously live in a fire zone and they didn't move. There's just more fires. Um, and these folks are scared, right? They're saying, Hey, my livelihood is here. My family is here. How do I now navigate a world in which I'm directly in the line of fire? I'm in a disaster zone. I don't know how to handle that or live my life. Um, and so what we want to do is create the first sort of um, tool that consumers, that uh, you know, people can use to understand what their risk is and understand how they can protect themselves. Um, as soon as we knew we wanted to create that, we knew we wanted to create an insurance provider, which sounds like a, a little bit of a jump, but the reality is insurance is supposed to be the arbiter of risk in the world, philosophically, right. um, and it is. Uh, but more directly, it is the one entity on earth that's directly aligned with loss reduction. So we believe that if we could create a type of flywheel basically system where as we protect more homes, it makes a company more money. they will be um, they'll put all their resources that sure. they can towards trying to protect homes. Right. Um, and and we've basically created that. we're still developing, of course, but Along with each of our policies, we offer a free risk mitigation service, where we reach out to the consumers on a regular basis, we explain to them what their risk is, how their risk is changing, and the top things they can change to their home mm-hmm. to harden it to wildfire.
0: Very interesting. So looking back on your, you know, your background in, in aerospace and so on, what you've been up to, you know, prior to founding the company in uh, 2017. Um how did how did that prepare you to run a company to be a ceo uh,
1: yeah that's that's an interesting question so so my specialty in aerospace was something called systems engineering right. um basically the idea was i bring i was responsible for bringing together all the different pieces of a satellite uh into one collective uh, whole um And these these were really large satellites. I was actually working on uh, one of the most interesting ones I was working on was a uh, over $600 million satellite that gave internet to all of Australia. Wow. Um, Super interesting project. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I was in charge of everything uh, that was mechanical on that entire satellite, uh, which we had hundreds of people working on. Um, And it's kind of interesting because once we started the company, um, I realized that building a company is very much like systems engineering. Just the systems are very different things um they're not engineering things but they are you know finance and legal and right. people and um in our insurance product our partners all of that uh and so i actually found a very very natural fit um and honestly i i love it i i think it's a lot of fun to be able to just constantly learn something new um you know when we get to a new phase in the company. Uh, I learn about, oh, now I have to figure out everything about risk transfer. Great. Mm -hmm. Let's do it. And I get to learn some really interesting aspects of, um, you know, the world of finance or the world of insurance that I hadn't been exposed to before. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's, it's honestly been a lot of fun. Um, I think that, I think that it really requires somebody that's really good at being an inch deep and a mile wide, like myself, uh, never been a really great specialist in any one thing. Um, (laughs) And uh, but that just it lends itself well to to being a CEO of a startup.
0: And you've got about fifteen employees between your your full time and your part time. And I know we had talked prior, and you said a little bit about you know you you as you continue to get funded, you'll those part time people will become full time employees. Exactly. Um, you, you know, looking back on this, where where do you see, if anywhere, that you've made mistakes in dealing with people? things that you might might have had effects, things that you didn't even realize you were doing, how did you handle all that?
1: Um yeah, so I think that there's been a couple interesting things that have come up. Uh learning how to hire was an interesting situation where you know, it's uh it's not the most obvious thing, it's difficult for everybody, but um especially when you're uh, hiring people that are outside of your expertise, which okay. as a as a founder you know, you should be hiring people that are better at everything than you are. Yeah, sure. um, and uh, that's been uh, really interesting. I've learned that the best way to handle that is to work through referrals. And, uh, you know, I think that when when somebody's getting a job, there's so many quality applicants that are not through referrals that often have a harder time for sure. Um, but when you're young and small, that's kind of your only way of assessing somebody else's skill and ability. Very,
0: it's very common, you know, with companies who don't have any money, it's they work their referral network until they just can't do it anymore.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, we've also uh, been very lucky at uh, having some more part-time positions available, like you mentioned, uh, and basically everybody we uh, hired part-time uh, has come on full-time. And that gets them the ability to mm-hmm. figure out if this is what they want to do, if this is the company they like. And also gives us the ability to sort of assess, you know, what are their their skills and where would they most succeed within the company? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, because a lot of times people are really good at things that you don't necessarily realize right away. Maybe mm-hmm. somebody's really great at organization and that's a need in the company. Um, but they uh, signed up as an underwriter or something like that, um, mm-hmm. and that's always something that you can shift and morph as as you grow. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is is talking to insurance companies. I think that um, I think that it one of the most critical things for Shanna and myself has been to um, sort of. Uh, constantly learn um we knew that we were coming from outside the insurance industry uh and we had a lot to learn definitely but there are so many aspects that you have to learn when it comes to insurance uh that's on the more technical side of stuff mm-hmm. but also on the interpersonal side of things mm-hmm. and how you project yourself and interact with people in an in insurance industry. It's very different than you may in San Francisco tech. Right. <laughs> and um
0: insurance is pretty buttoned up. <laughs>
1: yeah. And being willing to take feedback that makes you a little uncomfortable because it's a little bit of a reflection on yourself mm-hmm. is critical.
0: Yep.
1: Um and so looking, I think at the beginning of the starting the company, I was mostly looking for learning you know, aspects of insurance, I want to learn regulation, I want to learn what's in this policy. And as I kept on growing the company, I realized that I need to learn the soft things as well. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, going to advisors that believe in us, that we have a um, relationship with and saying, um, well, how would you try to sell this? And listening to their feedback and being willing to say, if, if it's very different, you got to look at that and say am i doing something wrong here um and i think we have gotten exponentially better at positioning selling the company discussing potential partnerships in the last couple of years uh because we've been able to create these relationships with people that were willing to give us honest feedback
0: yeah that's um, really great
1: my my wife calls it taking my medicine <laughs> <laughs> Because sometimes I don't like it, but it's 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 extremely valuable.
0: Listen, nobody nobody gets up every morning, Kevin, and and says, "Gosh, I I I can't wait to get criticized today about what I'm what I'm what I can do better." I don't think I don't think any of us really strives for that. But but the reality is, when you get to the other side of that, there's a big break. There's a big breakthrough typically. And what, what you're, what you're starting to describe is what I refer to as a culture of feedback. Right. And a culture of feedback is super, super, I mean, it's imperative to the success of your company. So if you look back over the last almost four and a half years, and you know, as we know, you weren't, you weren't, you know, you didn't have a team of people right early on. Um, But if you look, as you started hiring people, what would you say your percentage of turnover has been?
1: Uh, our turnover. Ex- our turnover has been extremely low for uh-huh. our hires, uh, for our uh contractors. Mm-hmm. I think we've only had one person that ended up not sticking with us. Um and that was in a, a very it was a great uh role early on when we were a just a brokerage. Um and it's a hard business being a broker in right. wildfire areas. Right. Um in terms of sales, I think that has been the, the most uh, marked improvement um, because I think early on we were selling to insurance companies and they thought we had something really good, but they didn't really understand what we were trying to sell. Um, and so I think a lot of times-
0: didn't understand?
1: Yeah, because we weren't really selling them uh, balance sheets. We uh-huh. were selling them risk models. Yeah, right. And as an engineer- we look at it and say, oh, this is better technology. Mm-hmm. And they go, cool, it's better technology. So what does that mean? Right,
0: well, right.
1: <laughs> and we didn't really have the skills at that time to really bring that to a, a, a number, right? How much extra profit are they making because they're backing us instead of doing it themselves, mm-hmm. instead of insuring in wildfire areas themselves. Right. Um, we simply told them, look how much better our models than others. And that, that wasn't clear uh, what that actually meant in terms of their business. Um, and so, so that's been a, a big change um, and one of the reasons why we have, you know, three different capacity partners at this point um, and uh, working on some, some more.
0: Good. So if you look at if you look at this the wildfire uh, risk business and look at the competitive landscape of that business, who else is in this business? Are there companies that have come into it that
1: have said, hey, this is not for us, and left?
0: What yeah. does that look like?
1: Yeah, so there's there's a lot of groups that have tried a little bit, ended up getting burnt, mm-hmm. for lack of a better word, um, no pun intended. and decided to pull out. Yeah, uh-huh. um, there's been a lot of uh, admitted companies that have done that, even a few non-admitted companies. There's been a couple groups that have jumped in um, with a very interesting strategy where they price extremely high mm-hmm. and just try to get a few homes in each town and figure that they're pricing high enough that will cover their exposure. Right. Um, the There really isn't any market leader at this moment. Um, the vast majority of homeowners that we see uh, are going on to the California fair plan. So um, California set up this sort of backstop uh, insurer of last resort. Mm-hmm. Um, and the idea is if somebody gets non-renewed and has no other options, right. they need to keep the mortgage industry and the real estate mm-hmm. industry afloat. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just, it's half a policy. It, it's only coverage for fire. Uh, it doesn't cover other perils like, uh, you know, theft and liability and, mm-hmm. and, and other things like that. Uh, so consumers are not a big fan of it because it's really insurance for your mortgage, not for you. um, but the California Fair Plan is also not a fan of it because they're supposed to be the insurer of last resort, and they've turned into the insurer of first resort.
0: Yeah, this is really a problem. And and, and it's, it's, I mean, we could probably look at other industries where the consumer is the one who's, who's really SOL, right? Right. Because it's not their fault that the mortgage company that's given them a mortgage wasn't smart enough to think, hmm, I wonder if this is going to be a problem down the road. Right. Or the bank, right? And they've yeah. got a lot of power. So you have no, you know, what are you gonna do? You're you're a victim. And it's the same thing with the with the with the incumbents, with the carriers. You know, they're yeah. like, well, oh, it's not our problem, you know. <laughs> we don't want to be yeah. in that business.
1: Yeah. I mean it's the really the ins- a problem. The insurers are looking after their own balance sheets, you know. And always,
0: and yes.
1: It's in some ways that's their job. In some ways that's that's sort of it's a lot easier for them to focus on risk transfer. And what makes them successful in that way instead of necessarily uh you know dissecting risk to understand sort of ignored uh aspects uh and, and that's where where we found ourselves so our model is showing that about 50 percent about half of all homes that are struggling to find insurance because of wildfire exposure or perceived wildfire exposure by the insurance industry um our model says is is fine it's miscategorized. Um, the other fifty percent, our model calls very high, and we actually can't help them. It's very unfortunate, but sort of a reality of what we live in today. Mm-hmm. Um, but that means, that, you know, there's fifty percent of miscategorized homes that are getting non-renewed, struggling to find insurance, paying astronomical rates, and they're fine. Um, and it's just because insurance companies looked at it and said, you know, I, I, their job isn't to be wildfire experts. Their job is to create, you know, successful balance sheets uh, for, you know, their parent companies or, or the reinsurers. Um, yeah, so. you know,
0: and if you can, if you can create the right models, as you've pointed out, that can show them, yes, you can insure this and still make money. You know, yeah. that's all they want to hear. Exactly. I, I, mean, I believe it's it's fairly simplistic way to look at it, but it's the re, it's really the reality. An insurance business is what six hundred years old, and you know it. it, it I've not yet talked about on any of my when I've interviewed any any insurance or insure tech folks about combined ratio, right?
1: Yeah.
0: Um, which to the layperson person uh, is your incurred <laughs> losses plus your expenses, basically everything that's going out, divided by earned premium, everything that's coming in. It's
1: basically, the reverse of your profit margin.
0: That's exactly, and. Um, a combined and, and, and their goal is a combined ratio under one hundred, yeah, which means they're Don't. actually making a lot of money. And and the one of the other important things I remember when I first learned about uh, combined ratio is that all the what's not included in that is all the investment profit <laughs> that they're making yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because they take all that profit and they invest it. Yeah. Right. So that's not that's not included in there. So I think that. Um, you know, that's really, I mean, it's at the source of why people hate insurance, insurance carriers, yeah. uh, you know, my, my, my homeowner's insurance living in Colorado. Um, I mean, knock on wood, we've had a very fortunate year here this year, yeah. um, you know, compared, I mean, I think yesterday was the first time I was able to see the front range in weeks, literally weeks. Wow. The smoke blowing in from the West coast. Wow. I mean, really, oh. it's, it's horrible. I, I you know, I, I went out for a ride early yesterday morning and I'm like, oh, look, it's the front range. You can see it again. Yeah. Um, so it's it's, um, you know, it's a it's it's a challenge. It's, you know, even my insurance has gone up, not because I've made any claims.
1: <laughs> right.
0: Not gonna lie Yeah. I, <laughs> but I think because there's... of everything else that's going on.
1: Right. There's been really I mean,
0: very it... fair, does it? <laughs>
1: Right, exactly. And in the end, you know, insurance is their system is a pooled risk system. That's and true. if more homes burn down, everybody sort of pays for it in some way. And,
0: and we did, you know, we had the Black Forest fire. Um, and then the year before that, the um, was that Waldo Canyon, I think was the year before, you know, two huge fires. Yeah. And I think the Black, Black Forest up to that point uh, burned down more homes than any other fire in history. Yeah. You know, yeah. And we're all paying for that.
1: In terms of combined ratio, I mean, there's a lot of these companies running 300, 400% combined ratios. Uh, And so they're losing a massive amount of money. Mostly they're losing their reinsurers a lot of money. Um, And the
0: reinsurers, yeah, right,
1: sure. Right. And so the reinsurers are sitting there looking at that saying, okay, well, then I need much higher prices Mm -hmm. uh, to back insurance companies. Insurance companies look at that and say, well, I can't pay that. So I'd Mm -hmm. rather just not insure anything in wildfire areas. Right, then I won't get the high reinsurance premium. Yeah,
0: that's a really great point. And and you know I was gonna I was gonna mention earlier uh, to explain the difference between an insurer and a reinsurer and a reinsurer and you've basically just said it without actually saying the words that a yeah. reinsurer insures the insurer. <laughs> right. So. You
1: know. And, which, which, and then you have retro reinsurance when uh, reinsurers reinsure the reinsurers that are reinsuring the insurer.
0: Oh my god, that's a tongue twister. <laughs> and, and that's something I've actually was unaware of.
1: Yeah, yeah, there's, yeah, reinsurance companies buy reinsurance uh, from groups called retro reinsurance companies. I've
0: been in this that long and did not, I have never had anybody mention that to me.
1: Yeah, working in catastrophe is interesting because that's the one uh, one line of business where you can have these, you know, thousand percent losses um, as opposed to, you know, you're not going to have every car that you insure bump into each other at the same time. Right. Uh, but you could have, you could lose. Right, you could lose a lot of homes in in a really bad fire season. So.
0: Okay, so you're you're serving California only right now. What are your plans for expansion, and how do you? Yeah. And, and over what period of time do you see that happening, Kevin?
1: Yeah. So over the next few years, um, we're looking to become uh, one of the. Um, we're looking to really make our mark on any anywhere that's affected by wildfire. So everywhere in the U.S., and we want to do all property lines. You know, we're talking about home insurance, commercial property, farm, utility, uh, ranch, uh, wineries, um, whatever it may be. Uh, we want to be the solution for um, for properties in wildfire areas. So we plan to be over the entire western U.S. Um, anywhere there is a sizable wildfire affected market, we will be there. Um, long term we're looking at other perils as well because our um, our algorithm uh the novel use of ai to geospatial data um, which i think i mentioned before we have a patent pending on that um that applies to all types of catastrophes um and so we will be able to go into hurricane areas as well and find areas find homes that are getting ignored by the insurance community that's actually uh they're they're fairly safe um basically just we're more granular than a lot of other models out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we look to really um, help any any groups that are in um, climate or catastrophe affected areas.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, when we, when we uh, first spoke and, and I asked you about who else might be in this business, you mentioned a few companies. I'm wondering if you're willing to talk about those because the ones that you mentioned are very large companies who have their hands in many different things. And one of the things that I really, really like about what you're doing or or any really successful startup, regardless of their industry, is focus. Right. Right. Focus on rather than getting, you know, oh, look, there's another shiny object. Oh, what was that that just flew by? That you stay focused on what you're doing. And I'm wondering if you're willing to address that a little bit on some of these other companies you had mentioned, because I believe that's probably why they got out of it.
1: Yeah. So there's been um a lot of non-renewals. Uh, I would say the groups that are still making an effort would be, you know, Berkshire Hathaway, okay. uh, Travelers, State Farm. They're making an effort. Um, they're the ones we've sort of seen uh, really try to implement a strategy to write in wildfire areas. Um, most of the other groups were insuring at some point and ha- are no longer insuring uh, homes in wildfire areas. And I, and I think that Uh, you know, let everybody uh, Google search that themselves. But there is, um, you know, probably more than a dozen, if not more than 15 to 20 insurance companies that have not renewed. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that have bailed out. Okay,
0: well, again, you know, it all goes back to the money and being able to figure out a way to insure the risk and be able to make a profit.
1: Right, exactly.
0: Right, exactly. So um, is there any any outdated advice in this industry?
1: Any outdated advice in this industry? Um,
0: that people might be giving out about wildfire insurance?
1: We've seen a lot of really interesting misunderstandings. Um, we've heard people say that uh, wildfire areas are simply uninsurable. Um, I think that it's very easy to sort of throw up your hands and walk away. Yeah. Uh I think that with the clear increase in number of fires year over year this is not some this is not a problem that we can do that. We need to find a way to ensure put uh, people in those areas. Mm-hmm. I've heard uh that is, that is unpredictable. That it's imp- impossible to predict fire. I mean it's impossible there mm-hmm. I guess the misunderstanding there is we don't predict each fire that happens, not at all. We Look at the landscape and we decide what is at high risk of burning if there's an ignition in one place. Um, Ignition is, you can get some sort of understanding of where it's more likely and where it's not, but you're never going to predict the specific ignition. Um, Therefore, what we do and what our model has been very successful at is understanding if there's an ignition, will there be a very large fire? Um, The last one is uh, winds. Uh, people say that uh, it's mm-hmm. impossible to predict the direction of winds. That's um, There are very standard wind systems that have been around for a very long time. Mm-hmm. For example, wind systems that blow from the center of the U.S. up and over the Sierra Nevadas sure. in the late fall. Right. And that's what creates canyons in the Sierra Nevadas to actually be at very high risk. Mm-hmm. That wind will blow to the west. Mm-hmm. Um, if you really drill down to a specific location, Will the uh, wind go west, east, north, and south? Well, on a very small scale, you, you don't know. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of not the, the purpose of the model. The purpose of the model is to understand if there are high winds in an area that would have a large fire because of temperature, because of dryness of vegetation, because of type of vegetation, and getting down to whether or not the wind is going left or right, it's already a high risk location. Mm -hmm. Um, especially if it's already on fire. So uh, the goal is to have a understanding of where in the landscape could there be a large fire and where could they not? Yeah, that's really interesting.
0: Um, How do uh, your prospects, customers find you?
1: Yeah, so um, we are appointed, uh, we have appointed I think 70 different retail agencies across California. Um, If you find an independent broker and ask them about Dallas Insurance, um, they're likely already appointed. If not, they can reach out to us. Uh, You're also welcome to send us a note directly on our uh, website. Um, Just There's a contact us uh, section Mm -hmm. and you can shoot us a note and uh, we'll get in touch with you about trying to find you a policy. Yeah,
0: that's really cool. Um, Tell me a little bit about the the culture, I mean, you talk you kind of circled around it a little bit, but tell me a little bit about the culture that you're creating.
1: Yeah. So, um, Shanna and I take our, uh, culture very seriously in our company. Um, we have just absolutely wonderful employees that are legitimately excited about building something. New. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, our, our company looks to become, you know, the dominant insurer in catastrophe-affected areas. And we think we have the right team and the right technology and the right structure, business structure, to be able to accomplish that. Um, and, you know, I have been continually impressed by my employees in terms of how much they they really believe in this, this vision, this dream as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact is, they're the ones creating, it, yeah. right? They're the ones that are making this happen. Um, and so what Shanna and i do is we do everything we can to support them mm-hmm. and uh just create a comfortable safe atmosphere uh we all get on happy hours every so often um mm-hmm. even though we're all remote uh, we'll mm-hmm. do we'll do zoom zoom happy hours zoom hangouts um and try to make a really fun atmosphere mm-hmm. and then let let the the employees drive drive that feeling um you can't force the feeling of, you know, comfort or family onto people. Right. You can just be supportive and, mm-hmm. and get the right people. Yeah. Um, and, and that's what we've been able to do.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of your employees, are you, are you all in California? Or are you strewn about the country? Where is everybody?
1: Um, all across the West coast. So mostly California, but we have uh, one in Nevada, one in Oregon, and even in California, we have orange County, mm-hmm. uh, San Francisco Bay Area, Sierra in Nevada's. Right. Um, this is, you know, we tend to get people that are, uh, really see the problem firsthand. Mm -hmm. Um, and so want to, you know, join us because we're, we're trying to solve, solve for that issue.
0: Right. So as, as you grow, uh, your headcount over time, do you foresee, you know, staying with mostly people out on the West coast or in these wildfire areas or, you know, will you expand beyond that? Do
1: you think uh, when we're, when we're focused on wildfire areas, we're definitely going to be focused on um, uh, people that live here. That being yeah. said, um, you know, we have uh, one employee that uh, sort of splits his time uh, between um, a, uh, China and, and America. And he's just he's absolutely amazing. Um, as we move into hurricane regions, we're going to try to get local. Um, mm-hmm. local uh, employees in every location. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do have plans for moving to Australia and Canada uh, a number of years down the road. And of course, we're going to have local teams there as well. Mm-hmm.
0: So I, I know you're in the process of raising more money.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, you know, if I were if I were an investor, if there was you know somebody in the investment community listening to this, what's getting them excited about wanting to invest in your company?
1: So I mean look and you and Shanna. the uh well Shanna's brilliant so definitely invest in <laughs> us because of that. Um I, I think we have we have a we offer a completely different solution.
0: Yeah.
1: Right? And and we believe that what's happening in the market is because the old structure of insurance uh can no longer really solve the problem of catastrophes that change very quickly. Right? You have to figure out a way in catastrophe regions the way that they uh chain, not only how destructive they are, but how quickly they're changing, you have to figure out a way to have an insurer that deeply understands the risk, the exposure, mm-hmm. and can adapt as soon as something changes, as soon as there's a new ignition event or a new type of mm-hmm. uh, weather system. Mm-hmm. And the way to accomplish that is to have those scientific experts embedded into a provider itself, not be relying on a generalist carrier with a third-party data model. Um, you know the third-party data models update once every five years or so, uh, based mm-hmm. on their sales cycles. Based on right. uh, they have to have lost data in the industry in order to iterate. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes us about six weeks after a fire happens to understand what we did right, what we did wrong. Mm-hmm. And as soon as we update our model, we change our underwriting and our portfolio management. Right. Um, and that structure. Is allows us to uh exist in a world that is changing and do it safely and and not be surprised by anything new that happens, just adapt and react as soon as it does. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that's I strongly believe is the only structure that will succeed in catastrophe regions. And then on top of that, we have you know the the group that made that co-developed CalFire's risk model, and we have a patent pending on a new type of algorithm that's been performing extremely well over the last three years that our model's been out in the market. Awesome. Um, so we've got the group that you need to be able to do this.
0: That's that's really fantastic. Well, and I'm sure that you know that group are, are people who are just as passionate about this as as you and Shannon are, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Solving um, this problem.
0: I mean, that's you know that's where I really believe that the best you know, the best startups come from are people who are just incredibly passionate about solving a problem that really needs to be solved.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, these these academics have devoted their life to really understanding these catastrophes. So mm-hmm. yeah.
0: So you mentioned uh somebody wanting to, you know, get a hold of you, go to your contact page. So we should I should probably mention at this point that your website is get Delos dot <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, and if somebody wanted to reach out to you directly, they say, gosh, you know, this is a company I think I'd like to work for. What would you suggest they do?
1: Yeah, actually, um, I, I'll just, uh, you know, please don't spam me. Uh, my <laughs> my email address is kevin at get uh, getdelos.com, G-E-T-D-E-L-O-S.com. Right. Um, and, you know, feel free to reach out and I'll, and I'll help you uh, any way I can.
0: Yeah, that's really terrific. Well, Kevin Stein, CEO and co-founder of uh, Delos Insurance, you're in a really super cool industry, and I I just wish you the much 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 success uh, at being able to you know build this niche into something that's desperately desperately needed, especially in the Western United States. I'm sure it's needed in in other parts of the world, but certainly in the U.S. here. So I really appreciate your time and your candor at uh, joining me.
1: Absolutely. I I really appreciate it, Carol. You you got a uh, really wonderful, um, you know, mission, you know, bringing a lot of this information out to uh, everybody and you do it in such a great way. So I really appreciate you having me on this podcast.
0: Well, My pleasure. We'll talk again soon. Thanks, Kevin. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to Authentically Successful. If you are a successful founder or CEO who would like to be on this program, please visit verticalelevation.com slash podcast. Slash /apply If you learned something from this interview and it made a difference, please share it on LinkedIn or Twitter. You can also do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend. And if you know of someone who would be a great guest, tag them on LinkedIn or Twitter to let them know about the show and include the hashtag #authenticallysuccessful. I love seeing your posts and great suggestions. Lastly, we are regularly putting out new episodes and content, and to make sure you don't miss any episodes please subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more, go to our website, verticalelevation.com or follow me on LinkedIn. This is Carol Schultz. Thanks again for listening and see you next time.